please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, either in your app or in your Bible. We're going to be reading verses 4 through 16. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. And now if you would turn to me to Exodus chapter 17, we're going to learn what that means at Massa. Put the Lord your God to the test at Massa. What happened at Massa? Exodus 17. We'll read verses 1 through 7. Exodus is right in the beginning, right after Genesis. So it's just the second book in, so right near the beginning of your Bibles. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of God. Good evening. Let me just uh, 
you very much, Sister Loretta, for reading that. And um, please join me in another word of prayer before we begin. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this time that you've given to us to praise you, to worship you, to honor you with our presence here, with our lips, with our voice, with our hearts and our minds, and with our strength. We thank you for another evening, Lord God, that we can learn more about you, for who you are and what you're about. Please open our hearts and remove any sort of pride in us, Lord God, in order for us to receive your grace. Open our minds and remove anything that is not true about you that we've learned or continue to believe. Help us, Father, to know the truth about you and nothing but the truth. Guide and teach us through your Holy Word and by your Holy Spirit. Anoint my lips, Lord God. I'm your unworthy servant, Lord. Please bless my preparations and please do supersede it as you see fit. For we always ask that it be you and you alone that speaks to your people in this church of yours. In your son's mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we ask this. Amen. 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 So I entitled, or still, this we're on our second part of our um, my message last week, the results are in. Um, okay, let me see. There. This is the part two of my four points. I know, right? But uh, we're going to continue with the series, Knowing God in Trying Times, which it seems to continue too. The trying times this year keeps coming, right? The hits keep coming. <laughs> it's smoky day now is what they call it in school. I just call it bonfire smell. But we're going to continue. We're, we're studying the book of De Deuteronomy. We're trying to know... We're trying to know God. So from last week, for most of you who weren't here, we're going to do a recap. Okay, so we're going to recap the two points that I have here, which is to believe in one God. The results are in. If you know God, you will know that you will believe in one God. And then the second result is if you know the real God, you will love Him and you will live for Him. So tonight we will tackle trust God. So the first point, again, uh, verse 4 of what Sister Loretta read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Again, this is the first commandment. That's in Exodus 20. I think I have it there. Exodus 20, verse 1 to 3. It is clear there is only one God, and God is a jealous God. He is holy, and He is jealous. His jealous is not like your jealousy to your partner, to your boyfriend, to your wife, to your children. His jealousy is holy because you believe in Him. And He only wants you to believe in Him and to worship Him. You know, I, I know uh, we're going to discuss briefly. During Moses' time, different religions in, ver in, in various re regions and cultures. That's what the thing. That's what they had. It depends on where you were from, and that's the God you believed in. During our time now, it, we're being told that it's based on your preference. Whatever works for you, that is your God, right? But we're told, we are being taught by the Bible, in God's Word, that there is only one God. And 
we are to believe Him. That's the result of knowing the real God. Remember the illustration that we had that if somebody says, I want to write a book about you, and then everything that they're, he's saying or she's saying about you is not the real you, none of it is, is true, you will be furious, right? Because there's injustice. There's injustice. There's a truth that the person needs to honor. The truth about who you are and they're and they're saying no i like to write something different about you and tell you are and that's what this that's the same case with god when we try to think and we try to we, when we try to tell people or we try to tell god who he should be for us instead of the other way around knowing the real god was and tells us that this is me i don't bend for you you bend for me. I don't change for you. You change for me. Right? Second point. From last week. Am I there? Okay. To love. And, uh, yeah, to love God. And remember the, the, the quote from Tim Keller last week. Ironically, the God of your heart most desperately needs is a God your heart didn't create. The God your heart most desperately needs is a God your heart didn't create. Because one time in your life, you will fail, you will feel worthless, and the God that you made up will not be able to tell you, no, you're fine. Because you're gonna tell you're you're just feeling not good about yourself. Everything that you're this all your decisions, you're just doubting yourself. And you think the God that you made up is gonna pick you up? Only the real God. Only the real God will be able to pick you up. So the first result of knowing God is that there is only one true God and all the truth behind that one God, all the truth behind that one God, it pays for us to believe and to live it. Which brings us to our second point. Knowing God makes us, makes us love Him. And once we love Him, we are to live for Him. Remember the verses 5 to 8 that was read earlier and then it's still here on the screen. Uh, everything that knowing the real God, the true God, the one God results in loving Him. Results in loving Him. John 14, 15 reads, If you love me, keep my commands. And then here, the verses here, it says, Impress them on your children. Right? Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you're walking along the road. You have to love God and to live for Him in your private life and also in your public life. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Whatever you think, you must be doing. Whatever you think, you must be doing. Whatever you think about God, you must be doing for God. There's no bivocational here. <laughs> Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Houses in your private home, in your in with your family, you you show them, you tell them how much you love God. You live as if you love God with your family and in public, at your workplace. They should be grateful that they have a Christian worker, they have a Christian employee, that they have a Christian boss. They should be happy that man. I'm so glad my supervisor is a believer. Because he's very reasonable. He's very fair. I'm so glad my employee is a believer. Because he or she doesn't cheat on her hours or their hours. They're hard workers. Even if I'm not watching them. 
everything, every nook and cranny of our, of our lives, right? Remember, we, we said it in all aspects of our lives. If we are to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, all our soul, everything about us must belong to God. Everything about us must be done for God, including our votes. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah, I thought it was done. This is just a review. Hopefully you're getting it. For those of you who weren't here, hopefully you're getting it. God shows us here that our love for Him must be exercised, again, in private and in public. It must be shown. Because knowing God, there's a transformation. There should be a transformation in our lives. Knowing the real God, there must be a transformation. Right? You transforming is not a condition for you to be saved. You transforming for God is a proof that you are saved. It's a proof. And then we did discuss too that fathers who come to Christ, 93% of the time, the entire family will also come to Christ. If a dad comes to Christ, if a mom comes to Christ, 17%. So that is our review. So in summary of the two points, to bring us to the third point, you can't just be a believer of Jesus Christ by word, but also with action. You can't just be a Christian at church, but also in a community of believers. So you must belong to a church. And you also have to be a Christian at your home, not just at church. You should also be a Christian with your family, not just at church. They must, your family, your friends must hear they must hear you talk about God. They, they must hear you say, I'm changing because God's changing me. And your actions should follow on what you're saying. All aspects of your life. All aspects of your life. Which brings us to the third point. Knowing God makes us trust God. Knowing God makes us trust God. Fear the Lord your God. Serve Him only and take your oaths in His name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and His anger will burn against you. And He will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and stipulations and decrees He has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you, and you may go in and take over the good land and land the Lord had promised, the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before, as the Lord said. Now, I know that's a lot of read, but let me make you focus on verse 16, where he says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. And we did review it, right? In, in Exodus 17, that the whole Israelites, they put God to the test. Now, the original language of testing means this. Guilty until proven innocent. That's the original language of test in Hebrew. So imagine, this group of Israelites that saw all the wonders of God against the most powerful country, the most powerful nation, against the most powerful man on earth during that time, Pharaoh of Egypt, 
They saw all the wonders, the power of God. They got thirsty and they doubted Him. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Is there a God? What a crybaby, right? But, 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 but before we make so much fun of them, let's look into, our, let's look into a mirror. And look at the many times that we doubted God because of certain things, a certain prayer requests that hasn't been answered, certain challenges in our lives that's not going away. And all of a sudden we're going to say, is there really a God? This decision of me surrendering my life to Jesus, is this the right thing? And then, and then we say, and then we say, we say these things. When we put God to the test, we're giving that big if to God. I'll follow you if everything that I want in life will follow with me. I will follow you if my husband will change. Well, you will give me a different husband. I follow you. I will only follow you if. We give that if to God. We give that big if. We give Him a condition. We give Him a condition. That's how we put God to test. So again, before we make fun of the Israelites, because you know, trusting God, trusting God is like, remember, I know we've, it's been a long series, but it's greatly needed. It's greatly needed. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were put to the test in the fire. They were going to be thrown in the fire if they don't submit to what Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to do, which was to bow down to the image of gold. And then they said, our God will rescue us. But even if He doesn't, we will not, we will not bow down. We, they will not compromise their faith. How many of us have the same resolve? The question, right? The question is, why is that we, people of God, we're so fickle, we're so fragile, we're so quick to forget about God's goodness, about God's love, about His faithfulness, about His power. The minute we feel hungry, the minute that we feel physical pain, the minute that we, we feel thirst, the minute we feel a deep need for something, that we've been asking for and God's not giving it and we start doubting Him. The, the second that we've been praying for someone and God's not giving us that someone, we start doubting Him. And then the question, is God with me? Is God hearing me? Isn't He powerful? Well, if He's powerful, He's definitely not smart because, man, look at the world, man. It's not, it's turning down to, Right? Going down the drain. Might be powerful, but he's not smart. Might be smart, but he's not powerful. Testing God is to consider. When you test God, you're basically saying, you are guilty, God, until you prove yourself otherwise to me. Folks, I say this with, 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 with love. I'm saying this with love. We need to stop playing with God this way. We need to stop playing with God this way. And we alone, we are the ones that are suffering from that play. From the games we play with God, we are the ones suffering from it. We might not feel it now, but our children are, are feeling it. 
We might not feel it now, but the people around us are feeling it. We might not feel it now, but our testimony is failing. And the people that are looking at us so that they can also come to Christ are feeling it. The problem is when we go through the wilderness like the Israelites, the wilderness, right? The troubles in life, the storms in life. That's when our trust in God is tested. It's not tested on your good days, guys. It's not tested on your good days. And I, man, if I look at all your Facebook timelines, everything's good, right? Everything's good. Everything's good. Life is good. Life is fun. Woohoo! Party here. Like, 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 heart, heart, heart. But we know that's not it, right? We know that's not it. When life, when we're in the wilderness of our lives, that's when our faith in God, that's when our trust in God is tested. That's when our trust in God is tested. Knowing God, knowing the true God, the God that we love and loves us, the God that, that we love and we must obey, tell, tells us this. This is the next result of that. Is that we have to trust Him unconditionally we have to trust him unconditionally there's no if it should be if I have a I'm changing my profile picture to this one <laughs> yeah <laughs> who's it that's my high school picture <laughs> nope you know God uses the sheep, the, the sheep, the animal sheep, and He calls us His sheep. You ever wondered why? Some of you were probably offended, right? Because the sheep, the sheep cannot defend themselves. They're the weakest animal, and they're the stupidest animal. Did you know that if they're following their herd and one falls off the cliff, the rest will fall off like, hey, what you do? Oh, oh my gosh, I'm falling too. They follow each other. They're, they're the perfect victims, guys. They're the perfect victim. And God calls us his sheep. And he is our shepherd. There's nothing macho about the sheep. Nobody has sheep tattoos here. My, whole, my brothers and my sisters, have do you have sheep tattoos? No, we don't, right? Wait, we don't, right? <laughs> There's this girl. You guys remember Jim Elliott? Jim Elliott is the missionary that got killed in this mission in 1956. And his widow, Elizabeth Elliott. Um, Elizabeth Elliott, at age of 47, lost two husbands. Jim and then the other one. The next one after Jim. She lost him through cancer. 47 years old. Widowed twice. There was a time in one summer that she visited one of her friends' farm at, in, in North, northern Wales. And, and, and it was a time where she witnessed the, the shepherd, the shepherd submerging the sheep in a vat of antiseptic. Full submersion. It was a horrific sight. Right? But if, if, if the shepherd doesn't do that for the sheep, the sheep will be eaten alive. They will, they will die by parasites and insects if, they, if the sheep doesn't go through the submersion in the antiseptic. Full submersion. Eyes, ears, everything. 
and they have to be held there down so that they'll be really they'll really get it some of you i'm looking at you i should have done that on your water baptism no, i'm kidding i'm, I'm kidding i'm kidding I'm, they should have done that for me <laughs> so let me read this one her friends knew her friends knew sheep are vulnerable to parasites parasites would harm them unto death if left untreated so the shepherd once a year took his sheep gathered them in his arms and submerged them one by one in a vat of insect killing antiseptic elizabeth elizabeth elliot's words uh, i quote one by one john the shepherd seized the animals they would struggle to climb out of the side and mac the sheepdog would snarl and snap at their faces to force them back under when they try to climb up the ramp in a panicky way at the far end john the farmer would catch them and spin them around force them under again holding their ears their eyes and nose submerged for a few seconds and as their lord and master was pushing their head under drowning them at least as far as they could tell their panicky little eyes would look up over the edge of the vat and it was easy to see what they were thinking what is god doing what is God doing? Unquote. End quote. Now, our shepherd, our shepherd, he is wise. Same with this shepherd here. He, wise and caring, knew that each terrified sheep could not comprehend the why behind what their seeming drowning experience. He, the shepherd, knew they did not understand even if he tried to explain so from love he the wise shepherd chose to do for each sheep what he knew must be done that's between a shepherd and a sheep now in our panic and as we feel like we're drowning in our suffering when we're drowning in our confusion we ask the question can god be trusted what is he doing I remember Alonzo, I mean, he's a big guy now, but I remember his first set of shots when he was a baby. And um, the guy that was going to give him his, his, I think it was a vaccines, right? His shots. So the guy was looking at me. He looked at me and he said, hey, man, your baby's going to cry. But I have to do this. Like he was explaining himself to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Go ahead, go ahead. Just do it, dude. He gave the shot on Alonzo's left leg. And Alonzo looked at me like shocked look. And he, he, he cried one of his loudest cries. The first time I heard and, you know, he's my first child, right? And my face went from go ahead, do it. to I'm like, what the heck did you just do? And then he looked at me he's like, dude, I got one more. <laughs> But I let him because I know my son needs it. Because, right, there's many records that those shots are needed for people so that they don't get sick, so that that, 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 that virus that's in there will, will make their, 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 their system, immune system stronger against any other things that's out here. Don't you think that God approaches our life the same way? 
Don't you think that the trials that we're going through, don't you think that He knows how far He can stretch us? And don't you trust Him that it's for your own good? Proverbs 3, 5, 6 reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Some of you know that because of the song. Some of you know that because you know this is one of your life verses, right? That we have to trust God with all our heart. All our heart means our all our life. We have to trust Him. And then the key, this next part is key because most of the time we don't understand what He's doing. Like the sheep, like what is God doing? Like the baby, like Alonzo looking at me like, what? The, why are you letting this guy hurt me, dude? I thought you, I thought you loved me. Remember when Luke was talking? And the baby was talking there? I believe, I believe that trying to understand God and what His purpose is during times of trouble in the middle of the storm is a mistake. When you're trying to understand God during the trials, during the pain, during the confusion, I think it's the wrong approach. Because like the disciples, when, when, they, when they were in the boat with Jesus during that middle of the storm in the, in the Sea of Galilee, remember? We tackled that too. They asked Jesus, don't you care that we drown? Wrong question, right? Because the the point of the matter is God was with them. God was with them. Folks, are you forgetting that God is with you? Are you forgetting that God loves you? Are you forgetting that God is powerful? Are you forgetting that He is wise? He knows. He knows what is good for us. The, 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 the journey of the Israelites from Egypt to the promised land is, is nine weeks, right? It's a nine-week stretch. They go went through it in circles for 40 years. 40 years. Because there's, there's a lot for them to learn during that 40 years. Because Rabbi Zachariah said, the short way is not always the best way. The short way is not always the best way. Right? I mean, it, for those of you who are in business and you want to invest and you think you can be successful in a matter of minutes, you must be smoking something good. <laughs> because that is not true. That will never happen. But we all fall, we all fall into we fall into the trap, right? Get rich quick. Oh yeah, $49.95. You call me. You'll be rich really quick. <laughs> we fall into it like, oh man, what's the number? Forty-nine ninety-five times a million, right? Times a million. Realizing and knowing that God is with you during the storm should be a believer's focus. That should be our focus: is knowing that God is with us. Amen. Not questioning God during the trials because it's so hard to understand during pain. Our logic jumps out the window, right? Logic jumps out the window when you're struggling. 
There's nothing. Nothing will make sense. You can only feel your pain. That's the only thing you'll feel. You don't feel like doing anything else. I was just telling the people here earlier who were here early. They were. They got a share of uh, my my painful muscle pains. I'm aging faster than Pastor Charles. Pastor Charles, I'm I'm weak now. If I go down, if I bend down, there's a big chance of me not getting back up. Because <laughs> my legs are sore, my muscles are sore. And yeah, I got hurt yesterday because of that. But because there's there's no logic. When you're confused, when when you're struggling, the question of what is God doing? Is your statement because you're basically saying I shouldn't be going through this God shouldn't be letting me go through this challenge that's what you're saying you're really not asking you're really not asking a question you're really not asking a question you are making a statement you are saying God I don't want to go through this why are you letting me go through it you're testing him you are guilty until you prove yourself innocent to me Lord, I thought you were good. Why are all these bad things happening to me? I thought you were powerful. Why haven't been my, my prayers haven't been answered? Why am I still sick? Why am I still lonely? Knowing the real God results in knowing that there is one God, knowing that we are to love Him because of everything that He has done for us, and we are to obey Him because of that love. And knowing the real God makes us trust Him. Romans 8.28. Some of you know this is coming, right? And we know. Who's the we? Us. The believers of God. The people that surrendered their lives to Jesus. We should know. We should know God. We should know Him that in all things God works. That He works for the good. Those who love Him. Again, who loves Him? Us. Us who surrendered our lives to Him. Again, folks, if you can trust your eternity to Jesus, you really can't trust your business to Him? If you, if you trust your eternal life to God, that if you accept Jesus as your Lord because He died on the cross for your sins, you can trust that, you can trust that, but you can't trust Him taking care of your family? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Believers that claim that you love Jesus, the result of that is obedience to His commands. The ones that claim that they know God, the result of that is trusting God. Especially when it doesn't make sense. When things and people hurt us, many times we don't understand it. It, does, it doesn't make sense. Right? But, but we don't put that as a condition too. Lord, I will trust you if you will explain to me what is going on here. Why you're letting these... Sometimes, folks, in our walk with the Lord, many questions of ours will probably not be answered. And that should be fine. Because we trust Him. Right? My children will ask me before... Heavy questions. Why can't have? Jenna will ask me this question. Up to now, I give her the same answer. 
why can't I have a boyfriend now? And I said, the only time you can have a boyfriend, sweetheart, is after you get engaged. <laughs> I mean, right? Children will ask difficult questions. And sometimes, sometimes my, my children, I'll tell my children, when you're older, I'll answer you. They go, why not answer me now? Why is, this is when Alonzo was asking about smoking when he was really young. He goes, why is smoking bad to, to somebody? I go, Alonzo, when you're older, I'll answer you. No, answer me now. You always tell me that. And I go, okay, because if you smoke, you'll get cancer. When you get cancer, you'll die. When you die, you don't get to play with me anymore, and you go to heaven. It's like, I should have waited. <laughs> but no, you, you, right? There are times that the heavy answers we can't handle. Just like the sheep and the shepherd. The, the intelligence gap is so huge that even if the shepherd tried to explain, listen there, buddy, you need this or else you'll die. There's no explaining. Same with us. With the challenges that we're going through, the wilderness that you're going through, the storms that you're going through. Just know that you can trust God because He is good. Just know that you can trust God because He loves you. Let's go back to Elizabeth. Elizabeth Elliot, whose first husband was speared to death by men who, was, who he was trying to reach with the gospel, and then whose second husband died of cancer. She continues by saying this, I've had some experiences in my life which have made me feel very sympathetic to those poor sheep. These are times I couldn't figure out any reason for the treatment I was getting from my great shepherd whom I trusted. And like these sheep, I didn't have a hint of an explanation. She didn't have a hint. But she said, there will be no intellectual satisfaction on this side of heaven that, to that age-old question, why? But although I have not found intellectual satisfaction, I have found peace. And the answer I say to you is not an explanation, but a person. Jesus Christ, my Lord and my God. It is He who was the Word before the foundation of the world, suffering as a lamb slain. And He has a lot, of, a lot up His sleeve that you and I haven't had the slightest idea about now. He's told us enough so that we know that the suffering is not for nothing. The answer to our questions is Jesus Christ. Do you think you're really getting insulted plenty? Do you think people are really disrespecting you and you really can't handle it? Guess who got really disrespected more than you did for your on your behalf? Jesus Christ. He was falsely accused in the mockery of, of a court hearing. False witnesses came up there saying lies about him and they spat on his face punched him, they insulted him, they put him on the cross for your sins and mine. So do you think you're going through a lot of, a lot of challenges? When, you, when, when, when people say, I don't know why a good God can do such a thing to people, to good people. You know what? God, Jesus, was, if, if anything, he lived a perfect life. He didn't deserve what he went through. But he did. 
because of his love for us. So can you trust that person that made that sacrifice for you? That kind of sacrifice for you. I got this verse here. I was texting somebody earlier while I was trying to finish and I figured I'd add this in. Let me just read it and then we'll tackle what it means for us. Deuteronomy 4.31 For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon you. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he confirmed to them by oath. Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.8 The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So I don't know about you guys, but I can only count in one hand my real true friends that I know that will never leave me forsake me and, and and I find myself a very fortunate man to have those few friends real friends but all of us believers of God we all have the supreme being telling us this promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us all men are liars unfortunately all men are liars I'm finding that, finding that out the hard way every day. All men are liars. One second they love you, the next second they're leaving you. One second they're saying, oh my gosh, I was so blessed with your preaching. The next year they're done. <laughs> because I said something wrong in my preaching. All men are liars, but God is not a liar. Amen? Everyone will fail you in this life. God will never fail you. Everyone will abandon you, but not God. God will not abandon you. You know, we probably all have that friend, right? We all have that friend that's... In my past life, before I was a believer, before I was a pastor, Ed, before I was a believer, I, I, I loved getting into fights. And I have specific friends that I wanted to be with me whenever I get into those fights because I know that those guys will never leave me. And I know I'm in trouble when some of my homeboys that I know are quick to the exit are the ones with me. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm done. I'm toast. Because this guy, I'm sure he's bailing. Right? There, picture that for, for a minute. That all the trouble that you are in, there's one person that's telling you he will never leave you. And it's the most powerful person in the world. He is with us. He will never leave us. How about this part? Jeremiah 31.3 I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Isaiah 43.2-3 When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Isaiah 43.4 you are precious in my eyes and honored. I love you. Isaiah 49, 15 to 16. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast? 
and have no compassion on the child she has born. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. That's God speaking to his people. I, I, there's many of these verses. There's many of these promises. There's many of these God's confession of his love, profession of his love to us, to you. That's why you can trust him because he loves you. He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son. Why will he not now give you after he has given his life for you, why will he not give you what you're asking for? So long as it's not going to bring you away from him, take you away from him. You see, many of our prayers are things or people that will take us away from him. And we read earlier that God is a jealous God. Knowing the real God makes us trust him. Amen. Knowing the real God makes us trust Him. Fear the Lord your God, serve Him only, and take your oaths in His name. I know we started with, ver I, I elaborated on verse 16, right? But all the commands that God has given us, it will be easy for us to do if we trust Him. If we love Him, we obey His commands. And all these things too will be easier to do if we trust Him. See, the, the one way, the only way that this will work, any relationship, the only way a relationship will work is if we will trust each other. I suggest that if you don't trust me as your pastor, it's time for you to find a new church. Because if you don't trust me, everything that I say and everything that I do will be taken against me. <laughs> you will not believe anything. You will doubt everything. You will be suspicious. You will think, man, you know, he's probably doing this for his purpose. Right? Your relationship with your spouse. Love is there, but trust must be kept for that relationship to work. The only, the only time we can truly fear and the only time that we can truly love and not follow other gods and the only time that we can truly live a pleasing life for God is if we trust Him. Trusting Him. Having faith on Him. Feeling abandoned. Are you feeling abandoned during these times of confusion this year, 2020? Or you've been feeling it most of your life? Read Deuteronomy 4. Are you feeling betrayed by people who made oath? They, made, they swore by God. You're my pastor forever. <laughs> are, you feeling, are you feeling betrayed with the people that profess their love and their loyalty to you? There's, there's this verse which says, God is faithful. God is faithful. He will never back down on His word and His promises. Read Isaiah 49, 15-16. Are you feeling unloved by the same people whom you poured your life on you put poured time and love onto. Are you, are you feeling unloved by them? They're not reciprocating it. Well, you know what? God loves you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3 Now, are you feeling drained? Are you feeling weak? 
Are you wanting to jump ship? <laughs> Are you wanting to abandon ship now? Abandon ship. This year is going down the drain. Abandon ship. God promised that He is with you through the storms. You will not be overwhelmed by the rivers. Isaiah 43, 2-3 Oh, beloved of God, when the panicky eyes of your heart look at God and when you cry from your depths, what are you doing? What are you doing, Lord? And you're just confused on what this shepherd is treating and how this shepherd is treating you. Whom you trust. I suggest you cling to this. That he continues to be faithful to you. Continue, he continues to be, he remains good. He remains good and he is faithful and he is powerful despite the pain. His forever and ever love purposes only good for you. They're only good for you. All His purposes are for your own good. Your suffering is not for nothing. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. For He means all these promises. He means all these promises and He is capable to do it because He is powerful. He is wise. He knows what He's doing. He knows what He's doing. All of them. All, everything that is happening to you will not be in vain. So long as you will trust Him. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Faithful, powerful, all-knowing, forgiving, gracious, merciful, and loving. Help us throughout the week, Lord God. Help us throughout our life here on earth, as we continue to walk this journey with you, Father. As you continue to remind us of the truth about you and about who you are, help us, Lord God, to not forget. Help us, Father, to live for you, for your glory and to yours alone. In your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and all the Lord's people said, Amen. Let's all rise for the closing.